Welcome to the Moving Beyond Your Tribe, where we dig deep on how to stand out from the crowd by building bridges and breaking free from the comfort zone of colloquialism, industrial language, and jargon to find new words, new thinking, and new approaches to ignite action, mobilize a wider network of ambassadors, create customer loyalty, even in a downturn, and build better internal culture. Hi, I'm your host, Torin. I'm bilingual and throughout my life have straddled two cultures, Norwegian and American. I've worked in 10 different industries spanning 25 countries. I have seen firsthand the power of diverse collaboration to create impact across cultures, countries, and the political divide. On this podcast, we will bring on notable leaders from all walks of life to teach us and provide us tools on how they have moved beyond their comfort zone and create amazing breakthroughs of profit, opportunities, and impact. Now let's get started. Welcome to Moving Beyond Your Tribe. I'm really excited right now. I have Maura Barkley, who is leading founder of The Soulful Leader, which I thought was such a great title. We need more soulful leaders today. So welcome. Well, thank you. It is such a pleasure to be here. And I love what you're doing. I admire very much the work you're doing and all the people you're helping and the way that you're helping them. So it's a real pleasure to talk with you. Well, I'm just so impressed with you. And I would love for you first to maybe give like a one-liner, what is a soulful leader? But then after that, I think really to be a soulful leader is really your background and what you've done that leads up to, to that. So I don't know if you can just give us a little intro there. Absolutely. A soulful leader is someone who is a world-class CEO of their thoughts, their beliefs, and their emotions. That is through the lens through which your entire life is happening. And so little, uh, we talk about emotional intelligence. We're now in the, so like the buzzwords in the companies now, it's like mindfulness, emotional intelligence. This is all a function of being able to modulate and direct your thoughts, your beliefs, and your emotions. So I'm a big tactician. Reverse engineering is, is a hobby of mine. I'm like, let's reverse engineer the bias. Anyone who's on this planet is going to have bias. However, if you are capable of being self-aware enough that you're, you're aware of where, that's a lot of awares, where your uh, family of origin story, where your culture is impacting your ability to see how your behavior is being met by others who are different than you, then we have an opportunity to have a conversation where everybody's included, everybody belongs, especially people who are different versus you need to act like me because. And it's because of the you need to act like me because I think that is, is people are so reluctant to really work with their bias. And a soulful leader is a heart centered servant leader. And it doesn't matter whether you are a fortune, you know, you're, you're running a fortune 100 company or you are a solopreneur. Heart-centered leadership is about inviting everyone to feel, to acknowledge their value in the organization. Because I don't care who you are, you may be a brilliant CEO, but your company and the shareholders' profits are built on the back of every person who comes to work. That's interesting you say that because when you say thought, beliefs, and emotions, when you're working with CEOs, what is the biggest barrier that they have to break through of those three components that you're of a soulful leader? It's amazing to me that, you know, we were talking earlier about this, how the, the burden of the, the influence of CEOs. And this right. was, and when I was working in diversity, inclusion, and belonging, 
I kept encouraging the C-suite to come out in very particular intolerance, no tolerance policy. They needed to say it around okay. harassment because an ounce, an ounce of CEO language is worth a pound of HR. Oh, say that one more time. An ounce of CEO language is worth a pound of HR. So when people are onboarded and they have access to the CEO and the C-suite coming out and saying, we are so glad you've joined our organization because if you want talented people, you need to invite them and have them be part, belonging to your mission. People don't understand. Just a quick little sidebar. I worked in, I, I worked as in, in film production for a little while back in the day, my old, my old life in, in LA. And it is amazing how little money people will work for if you feed them. If you feed them until they're full, they'll work for free for you and they will work extra. But if you don't feed them, they're like, yeah, you don't get me. And that is a metaphor for how simple but not easy it would be to invite everybody within the organization into the mission. And if the CEO and the C-suite are in fact, you know, they're the ones running the charter. They're the ones who are creating it. They're the ones who are, are, are creating and crafting the mission and the values of the company. When so is they it feeding? Out, so is it feeding? Is it feeding as salary or is it feeding in the mission? So like, will people work for free if they of course get paid, but is it more so being fed the mission and the values and so forth? What, what do you think? The food that I, I'm using food as a metaphor. Feed your people recognition of their contribution to you. Ah, they have to feel valued. If wow. you, I mean, if think about yeah. it, like everybody's salary should reflect the value. I mean, we're, I'm not going to have a conversation about salaries versus CEO salaries in the past two decades. We're not going to have that conversation. However, if you could consider that, I work with a lot of people who work for companies, Fortune 500 companies, and they're in leadership roles, they're in director roles, they're in management roles. By the way, 75% of people leave companies because of a direct management conflict. 75%. So that what that's saying is like, all right, your recruiters are working too hard because the, it's not coming down the chain. It all starts at the top. And if a CEO and C-suite were, were ready and willing to say things like, we want you to know that we have your back. We appreciate your time, that you, you spend your time walking the carpet with us, not your family. Like we have, a, we're here, all here for the same reason. We appreciate right. your contribution. You, this is why we pay you what we do. Here's some other awesome perks we give you. And if anything happens, if an organization that doesn't feel right, we want to know about it. We want to make sure everyone feels respected and valued everyone, even people who maybe have a cultural conditioning that's like, well, no, this is how I, I show my love and appreciation for people by teasing them. Right. That's a legitimate, like in my culture, I'm, I'm, my people are Jewish. You know you're loved by a Jewish person when they tease you to the point that you cry. Like, oh, stop already. I get it. You love me. So there's so many <laughs> cultural differences that could be embraced and, and worked. It's like, it's, that's what diversity is. And it's not kumbaya. It is friction. And you must have friction to get traction. It's the best you could hope for. And doing it, having different opinions and having them led collaboratively is the most powerful tool for progress. And, and the first company that gets this, they are going to just decimate the competition. That's so interesting. Huh. 
feeding people. But so how do you feed the CEO then to be to be what he's supposed to be? Like the thought, the beliefs, the emotions. One of my things, at least personally for me, I think the biggest barrier has been my beliefs, mm. you know, because my beliefs are tied to my emotions. And it's almost like that's the beginning. If I can break the chains of the beliefs, my thoughts become better. My emotions come better. I don't know what you think about that, but I love I love that triangle that you're talking about there. So I'm a neurofacilitation practitioner. So what that means is I work at the neural pathway level uh, with my clients. So the good news is a belief is nothing more than thoughts you think repeatedly. And it's actually the thoughts that create the emotion. As soon as you have a particular thought, and you can let that yawn out, sister. I won't take it personally. You're a busy woman. You're making things happen. It's okay. This is when your your circadian rhythm is like you should. Be I know it's like Friday, and I'm like hanging out with you. I know. <laughs> I I'm need like, that coffee. <laughs> I know, sister. So don't suppress those yawns. Let them out. I, no suppression needed. So a belief is merely a thought you think repeatedly. A habit is merely a behavior you repeat. So the good news around all of this is. Oh, and by the way. Oftentimes, our core beliefs come from our uh, what we've witnessed and what's been modeled for us at our uh, family of origin. And so a lot right. of the work I do, and it, when working with CEOs, you would be shocked, maybe, how many CEOs have the biggest imposter syndrome. They are running on empty. No oh, my God. Men and women, of course. But wow. many times, men are driven by what they've been taught makes them worthwhile in this country. What makes men valuable in this country? Be big, be strong, don't show emotions, make the money, have the toys, have the influence, right. and have the beautiful lady on your arm. You've hit the lottery if you've got all those things. You have like checked all the boxes, but you better be ready to defend it because bigger, stronger is coming after you. That's the culture that men have to deal with that is terribly poisonous to them. And they were never given the opportunity to... Move, there's not that, that culture is very rigid. It's very it difficult is. to step outside of it because men yes. police each other. I, I did yes. a lot of research around this. Male policing is absolutely brutal. Wow. They cannot afford to step into vulnerability. They will get eaten alive. There yeah. has to be a consensus. This is what soulful leadership is about. There needs to be a cultural consensus where we say, all right, at what point, at what point are we going to lose enough people at what point are we going to hit the basically critical mass or maybe diminishing returns is more accurate? At what point have we just realized, you know, this really isn't working. And other, I, I, I'll tell you what, I think I know when it's going to happen. There are, the system's ter terribly broken. They're operating in a culture that is not sustainable and we're watching it fall apart. Hashtag me too. Yes. I don't have to tell you, I don't, you know, no. don't blame the messenger. This is happening on purpose. Right equitability, equity is coming. And, and I don't believe we're equal, but I do believe in a kind and equitable culture. We have to embrace and, and celebrate what makes us different. Our, the, everybody, the culture that we're bringing. It's funny you say that because I'm, I'm, I'm someone that's not for equal rights. I'm for equal worth. It's, it's, it's equitable. That's it. A yeah. fair and equitable yeah. culture. We're not yeah. equal. I don't want, that, that doesn't yeah. make any sense. We are so different. We're right. so different. And everybody deserves to get paid the exact same penny for the exact same work. Exactly. So with all of this in mind, who are you? Tell us about you. We've been talking about Soulful Leader now, but I was like, wait, who is the woman behind Soulful Leader? My woman well, name is Maura Barkley. And I grew up as a latchkey kid 
from divorced parents in the eighties. And it was, I had, you know, like many kids, I had kind of a tumultuous childhood and I had a lot of challenges growing up that made me feel like my perception was in all fairness to my parents, they're just people, they did the best with what they had at the time. My perception was there was no safe place. Wasn't safe physically, mm. wasn't safe emotionally. So I did what a lot of women do, which is become warriors. So in order to feel safe and validated, I started like lifting weights. I'm like, well, if I'm super strong, heck yeah, no one's gonna mess with me. I <laughs> I have kind of an, an intense extreme personality, so I always take things to the very end. I, I at the point where I'd won two bodybuilding titles. No way. Two naturally. Congratulations. Thank you. Natural, all natural. I was wow. like, I, I still don't feel, I have all this social proof that I'm strong and interesting, but I still don't feel either of those things. So not uh, interesting. It, it, it is. And this is one of the things about the CEO question brings it back to the CEO on right. paper. They've got it all. And inside yeah. they are just falling apart and they've got no safe place to do it. And they need help reconnecting to their worthiness, like reconnecting. So going back to, to you. So yeah. you've, you've, you've done bodybuilding, you won yes. national titles. Yes. Oh, uh, not a national else? title. It was not a national title, but, but yes, because that those tend to go to people who are not natural. We'll just put it like that. So you're natural. So, so, but you've done that. What else have you done? So you've been a strong woman. How did you get to the point of being a soulful leader? Well, I then moved into firefighting because wow. I wanted to be a hero because who doesn't love when firefighters show up? Everybody loves right. firefighters. Yes. So I did that for a little while. Again, it was all about feeding my need for validation from external means. And it it was endless. So uh, then I eventually got into martial arts because I always felt kind of unsafe because of my growing up. And I learned how to really... What kind of martial arts? Oh my goodness. Okay. Brace yourself. There's a whole bunch that I studied and I got belted multiple belts and Brazilian jiu-jitsu, escrima, which is a Filipino fighting art. High boxing, Muay Thai kickboxing, Arju Kempo, Kaju Kempo. I studied a lot of different ones wow. and because I love them. And I, I eventually got to the place where I could really put the pain on somebody if I needed to. Still didn't feel safe. Still didn't feel powerful. And I kept making really bad decisions out of fear. My decisions were made like this. I'm afraid if I don't fill in the blank. Mm. And eventually I got to a crisis point where I opened the door for cancer to thrive in my body. And that was in 2016. And it just dropped me to my knees because people like me, we got to have things like cancer to knock us down to get us to pay attention. Yeah. And I realized that cancer gave me the opportunity to surrender for the first time. I didn't know how to do it. And this is another thing. CEOs, strong people, men and women, surrender is very distant from from them. And surrender is absolutely necessary for authentic power. So the cancer gave me a, a spiritual awakening and showed me how to surrender to, to something wiser and bigger than myself, which was my higher self, which is my higher self. And I got introduced to an entire gallery of non-physical guidance that I have access to, which is how I intuitively consult my clients. Right. And that was what helped me connect with my internal sense of value. I figured out how to surrender to love for myself. And once I surrendered to love for me, everything changed. And I started broadcasting love into the world. And I am actually one of the reasons I'm here on the planet is to normalize human love. Like let's love is great when it's romantic, but there's so much more 
I would say that that is the least amount of love we could possibly have. The other love is way, way bigger. And it's the kind of love like New Yorkers showed for each other after 9-11. It's the yeah. kind of love you give to a stranger who, who has cancer. All people just dogpiled on me to give me love. That's well, how the kind did you of get, love. Jihad, so what would you say? Was it the thoughts that got you out of cancer? Or was it treatments? Or how did you get, how did you pull through? Oh, how did I get out of cancer? I, oh. uh, I, I had a very intense seven-day-a-week, 24-hour chemo regimen. Wow. For six cycles. It was intense. They are very wow. big bags of poison. <laughs> I look great without hair, so by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I never grew my hair back afterwards. Wow. So yeah. you got out of it. I did. And then how did the soulful leader get downloaded to you? So the soulful leadership actually got built from my hospital bed. I had previously been working, as I said, as an advocate for women's empowerment in Fortune 500 companies and at the federal level. Oh, and this is kind of cool. I actually got invited off the strength of my book, uh, Compassionate Self-Defense and Empowerment, which by the way, half the people have reviewed it are men. Wow. Because men are this part of the solution. And I'm like, ladies, we got to work together. How many police Amen. officers, how many judges, how many lawyers are men who are fighting for women's rights? So many. It is the right. rare man who is, it, it's, the, it's always the loud minority that is causing the majority of the problem. 10% of the population is causing 90% of the problem. So let's right. keep our vision where it belongs. So I want to work cooperatively, cooperatively with men. And I, and I say at the very beginning of my book, there'll be no man bashing. If you're here to hate on men, you will hate this book. Don't read it. And if you want to, if you want to blame, don't read this book. I, that's not what this is about. So when right. I was working there, I got to, I, I had the honor of being called to work as a, a military contractor and I got wow. to present advanced situational, situational awareness training and my content got codified by the U S government, by no the U S military way. So that's kind of cool. And that's very cool. Yeah. So I know my content's good because <laughs> that's how come I know. And I worked in these spaces, but I always felt like I was contributing to the problem somehow. Like I was shouting into the Grand Canyon and I felt like there was this resistance that I was contributing to. And once I surrendered and saw how I meant to use my gifts on this planet and it is, I'm like, okay, getting women strong and helping them advocate for themselves in a compassionate way. You can reject an offer from a man without disrespecting him. And, and then like, now he's like, oh, that, I've had men be like, thank you for being so, when I was online dating, I had men thank you, thank me for the way I said, no, thank you. Because I respected them. I saw them and I said, I really appreciate I know, that. I know, I, 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 I totally espouse to that. I think too many people are, are not respectful enough to people. Yeah. It takes courage for a man to ask someone else, you know? It does. I always, I always honor them. I said, thank you so much for, for asking me. I really, really appreciate it. I'm just uh, sorry. This yeah, it's, a, it's not a match. And I just want to let you know how much I appreciate you taking the, the time. Took, yeah, took the that's time. right. It took yeah. courage. You took your time. I just want to say, right. that's awesome. Keep that up. I'm yeah. just not the one. So uh, this is the kind of, uh, you know, these are the values I have. I'm just cooperative. And I was feeling like, all right, how can I make more of an, a dent trying to help women? And empowering women is one way, but I'm like, that's not getting at the root. I realized that for 10 years, I was working at the level of symptom and I refused to do that mm. anymore. I was, now I only work at the root. So let me ask you this. Would a healthy man who, has, who feels comfortable in his power 
and his worthiness, his value as a man. Is this a man who's going to harass a woman? Is this a man who's going to abuse a woman? Is this a man who's going to seek child pornography? No, I am here as a worthiness warrior to invite as many people as possible to heal from their stories so they feel worthy, so that they can lead with love, or more more accurately, so they can let love lead them. Surrender to it. That's why I'm here. That's how social media, that was the download. You found all of this, you found all of this when you're on the bed, healing cancer. Pretty cool. It opened me up. Thank you. It was the greatest gift. My greatest teacher and the greatest gift. Isn't that funny how when you look back in life, your biggest travesties and the bullying or whatever you've been through is actually, you look at it when you're older and wiser. Oh, that was the best thing that ever happened. I knew in the moment it was important. I never, because I have a background in in pre-hospital care and, you know, I worked on the ambulance and, you know, I, because of that, I was really clear. Like I'm the best patient. I was like, I was part of the team. I have clinical, I, I can speak the language and I was out of my depth. Don't get me wrong. Oncology is not my jam, but I'm just like everything else. It was a joy that that team, we, oh, we had such a great time. And wow. I just, I got to eat so much beef. My oncologist came in and at, at one point she's like, you're really anemic or if you don't get your iron up, we're going to have to give you a transfusion. I'm like, how can I do it without that? Like, I don't want to transfer. I've got enough. I've got enough stuff going on. If we could not do that, I would love it. She goes, Oh, just like, just eat more red meat. I'm like, hold on a second. Hold up. Are you giving me a prescription for cheeseburgers right now? Is that what's happening? Cause I'm from the Midwest and I'm all over that. And she's like, Oh yeah, I've never eat. I gained. I'm probably the only person I went through the most intense chemo, six rounds, 24 hour infusions for six days at a time, totally hospitalized. I gained like 25 pounds. <laughs> so huge. I got yeah, big. So what? Hey, it doesn't matter. Did I, did I avoid it? I did. I did not. That's kind of like my little brag. Anyone who's had cancer, we have very strange brag banks. My cancer brag bank is I used food to avoid getting a transfusion. Wow. <laughs> Isn't it funny how you get into these like different yeah. So w- when we think about the soulful leader, when you when you reflect on the CEOs you work with, um, is there a common theme? Openness, the openness for help, being helped by a woman. Is it because do you think it's because you're a woman that it's easier for you to reach these men, and uh, that you have, and the end that you kind of have a masculine background? Like, I mean, you've done all these very tough things, so it's kind of like. You're like the best friend woman. I'm a woman that creates a safe psychological container for them to express weakness, what they perceive as weakness. And also because of my background, there is nothing I haven't heard of. So you're almost like a priest. (laughs) A bit like there's nothing you could say that would even make me raise an eyebrow. I'm like, really? What else? Like, really? Not, yeah. I have seen some crazy stuff between working right. with the military guys and my teaching cohort. They were all veterans. They, they were Marine snipers. These right. dudes could kill you with a napkin. They were badass. So I, that was my crew. So, wow. yeah, I mean... There's, uh, I don't think there's a lot of women who have the experience with the male 
sort of dominated environments. And I come to this, I come to the, the subject with love. I come to them with love and, right. and, and desire to help them without the judgment. And I think that the most important thing that allows the work to work is an openness to receive an wow. openness to receive it. So how do you like, see if you're an employee, cause I've worked for several CEOs and you know, they're in this kind of crazy wild ride and, and they're like trying to be the stoic and you want to help them. How do you open them up to receive? Because sometimes I think when you're, if you say something the wrong way, they're going to close off even more. And then it's, how do you help them to open up so that they can uh, be the better leader? Well, here's, here's the, here's the trick. It depends. You see the way I like to think about getting people reconnected to their soul, which is the work that I do, because once you get connected there, everything flows. And the thing that people don't realize is how much more money you can make when you are connected to your soul, because your purpose changes the way you go about your purpose. You uncrimp that stuff. You know what I mean? Like it's just all flow. You're in flow state. So that's part of what the work does. I look at that result, getting reconnected to your higher self and allowing yourself to be guided by things that, by impulses that are way beyond your pay grade. Like let yourself be led. Stop playing small. Like you have wisdom and guidance. You're not even hearing. So that I, I refer to that as getting people into the seat of their soul. And if we use a house as a metaphor, the seat of the soul is like the hearth, right? Some people they want to be, they want, they want to go through the front door. Some people need to go in through a window. Some people want to go in through the basement. Some people want to come and down the chimney. It depends on them. Okay. Everybody's a little bit different. They need to be met where they are. So really you have to really, and I think this is in life anyways, you really have to get to know people to meet them where they are. Yes. You have to allow them to show you who they are. And one thing that that I do, which does irritate people who are accustomed to not ever, ever being really, truly seen. One of my past relationships described this. And this is why I'm like, if you don't want to know, don't work with me. Because I'm going to reflect back your truth. If you don't want to know, don't hire me. I'm not going to bullshit you. I'm going to show you what you show me. All right. So I reflect it back. That's, that's my gig as, a, as an intuitive like reflector. Right. Um, I just help people. Sh- I show them through perspective what they already kind of know, but they need to see it for themselves. So I hold up the mirror. Someone once described me as like, you know how when, you have, when you're showing bugs and butterflies, how there's like a pin in it? Right. <laughs> like, they show like, I feel like you're like coming after me with them slowly. I'm like, here it comes. Or I just need you to sit still. There you are. And they're like, ah, ah, I can't get away. <laughs> Like you will appreciate knowing this about yourself, internalizing this truth so that you can transmute it if you need to. Wow. That's really powerful. So what is, so what is next for soulful leader? Well, I currently have a a program that I, I love offering to people who are, who need to make peace with their past. I call it like civilians, right? So people who it's a lower price point, so more people can do it. It's a, it's a group learning. It's a mastermind, the transformational transformational mastermind. So I've invite people to join that and make peace with their past. It's, it's a 90 day program. Just about everything I do is in 90 days. And I'm also very excited to launch a specific program for transformational coaches, speakers, and consultants that are a little bit new because I, I feel like there's only one of me, but there are millions of me. 
And I want to help empower more people who do the work I do to reach their people and get them into their programs. And sometimes they lack confidence in their own. They know that they can do it and they've done it a little bit, but they haven't quite gotten to that place where they can just throw down like this. Like they're just not quite there. I want to help them get there. So they, so that a person who needs them can feel very good about enrolling with them. So it's, it's effortless enrollment Mm -hmm. without selling people who, people who come to this work, they're wounded healers and they feel terribly guilty about charging money to help people heal. I'm like, you got it all wrong. I know. And it's like this <laughs> poverty thing. It's, it's yeah, a poverty it. thing. It's a scarcity thing. Yeah. And, and they also forget like when I meet a coach, when I find them, when I realize oh, that's the person who can solve my problem, right. I just call them. I'm like, I have money for you. I'm like, don't worry about trying to get like, I've seen the content. I know it's what I need. Here's right. my money. They, they can't even conceive of that. I'm like, you are helping people change forever. They get to keep the changes forever. Mm-hmm. Nothing else in the world is that. It's very wow. special. It's very special. That is very special. Wow. So is there anything else the Soulful Leader does? You right got now. The course. You got the course for the, for the group course. You've got like a, a course for, I guess, for CEOs. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I have a course for any, what the private practice is for business people. Mm-hmm. They just, they, they need to be able to schedule on the, on their own time. So I work with leaders within any business right. and that's the private program. It's, 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 it's transformational intensive. It's one-on-one it's, it's the, it's the pin and the bug. And then a book will be coming out most likely this year so that people who aren't necessarily in positions of leadership can still make peace with their past. And I really, uh, I've been invited into uh, a movement called Steel Rose that is taking a lot of people like me who have come from a women's empowerment background to help men and women to to build bridges for equitable treatment of everybody, you know, trans. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. So Steel Rose, I've been invited into that and we're most likely going to launch a mastermind that'll be very specifically for C-suite CEOs. And it will be around worthiness and again, feeding, feeding your tribe, feeding, feeding your organization, what they want. What they I think need. we forget to feed and how do you remind yourself to feed people, right? Because you, you, you think so much about your own self that sometimes you realize, oh my gosh, I didn't feed my people. I can almost guarantee you that people that don't feed their people are not feeding themselves. You have to have a full vessel or you can't help anybody. And they are so in the red. Their needle is buried in the red of pressure and lack of time. And even though there may be some, the disparity between like CEO salaries and like management or uh, even C-suite salaries, you know, I would remind people, you are not born into CEO-dom. It's 80-hour work weeks. It's sacrifice. They work really hard you, to earn that. And so I like to remind people, it's just like people that, you know, there's every, there's a thing that everybody's got a a purpose and not everybody can be the CEO. If you are a director level or senior director, you can't possibly imagine the pressures on the CEO. Right. And I think, you know, that doesn't justify bad CEO behavior, but I think there's, there's this wasted opportunities so many wasted opportunities because there's like kind of a lot of politics around 
publicly traded companies and they want to be so careful of what they say. I'm like, how could you ever get in trouble for coming out in favor for harassment prevention? Or how could, how could you ever be in trouble for coming out and saying like, we want everybody to feel safe and included here. How could you possibly get in trouble? Do you see what I'm saying? Like have a little bit like that. And the, the first CEO that does that and really like gets moves the needle on that. Who do you think people like me are going to go to for services and products? But what do you think about American Express? Because they've done a lot of good stuff. I've been following them, but I don't know what you think about them. I pay a lot of money for my platinum business card. That's what I think about them. And I am happy to support them. And I've known people who work for them at the higher levels. Right. Absolutely phenomenal people. I just love their philosophy. I love, I, yeah. I heard him speak one time and I was just, and we actually, cause I'm, I'm helping out with a book on diversity and we write quite a bit about them because I just thought they were so admirable in, in the way they're taking it. Like when they saw that women weren't moving up, they were investigating how do we mentor in a way that fits women and not just create this system that fits white men. Right. Because that's the, that's the baseline for everything just because right. that's all that's happened so far. Right. Yeah. So how do you build a baseline with something that you don't have? You know, it's like, right. well, you invite them into the process, which is right. new. You have to know to do that, right? It's just new. It's yeah. like, sorry, relax. We'll get there. But yeah, I love Amex so much that I'm a proud card holder. <laughs> and I think they're great. Yeah. And I absolutely love all, I love how they do it. The, and this is the thing that they do that I've never seen any other company do, which is you feel like part of a family. When I applied, I, this poor guy, he must have spent 45 minutes with me because I had so many questions because it's a business card and I needed to make sure that all of the things that as a, uh, as an entrepreneur, all of my contractors, you know, my home office, it all, it all has to be able to go through the card. And that's right. I was just confirming with them. He did more homework. He spent more time with me. We had such a good conversation. I know all about him. I know all about right. his life and he knows all about mine. I absolutely love the time and the care that they take with each person. They know how to help people feel like they belong to something special. All of the other cards that I have are constantly hassling me about, right? They're always trying to market to me. I don't understand how they do their billing. I can't pay the thing off. It never works. I'm like, what? I've never had to work so hard to have a credit card in my life. And Amex makes it easy. And don't tell Amex this. I would have paid more. Right. Don't tell them, please. No, but they, will, <laughs> they might hear the podcast, but I, I won't tell anything. <laughs> All right. I love them. And I love the people who work for them. I've had the pleasure of, of uh, at, at, at some high levels too, at, at knowing personally some executives and they are, they, they walk their talk. It's so right. they're being featured because it's rare. I'm like, why is this rare? This company. I know <laughs> it's, it's an, un, that's why people, we need more people like you. Cause you really need to get that out. I'm really excited for your book to come out. So Coming to a close, uh, if you look at your life and you've done an amazing journey, you know, going through cancer, having like really humbled yourself, opened your heart up, come up with this new system where you're healing CEOs, you're healing people in your life. What would you say was your life hack? That is the greatest question ever. I want to, I'm trying to, I'm waiting for the guides here. The life hack was being present. It's the, I don't believe in hacks. I only believe in going deep. However, I have hacks to help people go deep. <laughs> I love it. And I'm going to share it with you right now. Okay. 
You know, everyone's saying, be present. All right. Well, let me tell you, and this might be my Jewish background. I'm like, don't tell me unless you can explain how. I'm going to explain it how really fast. Here we go. All right. Put your hands on your shoulders and take a breath and notice how much movement's in your shoulders. I watched you just rock, okay? You see how much movement's in your shoulders when you breathe? All right. Okay. Now, I want you to take on your next inhale. Try to keep your shoulders really, really still. So you're not pushing. You're just, this is your little awareness point. Notice where your breath goes when you get, when you, yeah, and you notice? Right. Okay, you breathe a little bit more deeply, but don't let your shoulders move. It's going to force your breath down into your wow. belly. Do you feel that? So don't. Wow. So, and, uh, what we just did was hack your nervous system. You just turned on your rest and digest nervous system. We got you out of like, so you were in high, you were in high beta because we're paying attention to each other and we're very excited, but this will almost instantaneously switch on your parasympathetic nervous system. It will help reduce the, the chemicals of stress in your body, which is by the way, how I got cancer. And it instantly drops you into the room because our bodies are always present. It's our mind that goes to the Bahamas. So this little hack here helps you instantly connect with your parasympathetic nervous system. So now you're in rest and digest. And because you're taking conscious breaths, you've done what we, no other species on the planet can do, which is move your breath from a survival reflex in your brainstem to your prefrontal cortex, making it a conscious executive decision. And you've just become conscious. Wow. Like that. That's the best explanation. Boom. Everything I do is evidence-based. If it hasn't wow. been measured, it either can't be, and it can only be measured by outcome. If it can't be measured in a lab, like intuition, so I measure the results and whether or not it's effective. Everything else is evidence-based. I work with if it's been studied, if it's been measured, if it's been researched, if it's peer-reviewed, it, I'm working with it. Wow. So where can we find you? You can find me at soulfulleader.com. That is my okay. website, and that's S-O-U-L-F-U-L-E. E-A-D-E-R. There's only one L. It's a word smash, as you know, because you put an extra L in because <laughs> everybody does. So it's a word smash, soulfulleader.com. And I, I, that is the best place to just take a look at. I, I explain my programs a little bit. There is an enrollment form. I only work with a handful of people at a time because I only care about results. So like about five private clients at a time is all I, I really want to handle. And it's it's an investment. So you know, I really want to make sure that I'm giving people the value for the trust that they've offered me. And that en enrollment form is on my, on my website under transformation. It says transformational intensive. That's the one-to-one -one program and also contact information. Good. There's also a free gift. It, there's five domains of, of, in, of satisfaction in our lives, success, health, wealth, happiness, and love. And I have uh, a little free gift for people if they want to opt into my. So can we put list. that link on the show notes? Sure, of course. I'll send it to you. We'll, we'll do that. So we'll, yeah. we'll make a five to thrive uh, gift. And then I want to say thank you. That was fabulous. I really appreciate you. Thank you. You did such great questions. You I look forward me. to the book. You'll have to come back for the book. Thank you. I will. I will. And please let me know how I can support you. I love the work you're doing. Love to be a part of it. Thank Perfect. you. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. If you happen to like this episode, please share with your friends. And if you're new, please pop on over to your favorite podcast app and subscribe. Leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you and how we can improve and make this better or how this has helped you. 
Don't forget to join us next week for another episode.